You're listening to Design Tomorrow. You're listening to Design Tomorrow. I'm Chris Butler. The word design. What does it mean? There really doesn't seem to be a good definition. And yet, designers cannot resist the lure of that particular form of shop talk. What is design? In the last episode of this podcast, which was really more about getting out of the way of a good solution, I happened to mention one definition of design that I've used many times before and that I still like, that design is to form with intent. On today's episode of Design Tomorrow, I'd like to start there. I'd like to ask, is that an adequate definition of design? Is to form with intent too broad Or does it box us in? Does it actually mean anything? Or is it just the sort of hand-waving pomposity that people resent about designers? Design Tomorrow is a podcast about design, technology, and being human. Which, admittedly, is a lot to be about. But in all things, we hope to grow in our awareness that what we do and think today can create a better tomorrow. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Design Tomorrow. Just leave all the vowels out. So that's at D-S-G-N-T-M-R-R-W. You can also visit the show's website at designtomorrow.co. And if you want to get in touch directly, you can email me at chris at designtomorrow.co. I'd love to hear from you. And now, let's get back to the show. To design is to form with intent. I like that definition because it gets at the making at the heart of the design experience, to form. And at the considered purpose of the making, the with intent part. A definition like this is useful because a lot of times design is just reduced down to, quote, making things pretty. We've all been there. But as several people have pointed out to me, defining design as forming with intent doesn't really differentiate it from art, does it? Now, absent of art, I think forming with intent works, but alongside it, it suddenly feels like we need a better definition. Now, I've also said and written more than once that designers are problem solvers, and though I've never intended to define design as problem solving per se, a fair hearing or reading would be that it's at least implied. Yes, design is problem solving, but so is plumbing, and so is pest control. So like forming with intent, problem-solving also fails to distinguish design from just about everything else. Again, plenty of people have pointed this out to me, and among them is a designer named Brad who I met at a conference years ago. And once when he read an article of mine in which I described design yet again as problem-solving, he wrote me a note, and I'd like to read to you exactly what that note said. Here we go. Brad wrote, Hey Chris, Thanks for another provocative piece. 
Normally, I don't feel much need to reply, but here I do. I know where you were headed, but I also have a slightly negative reaction when designers are defined as problem solvers. Agreed, we are. But so are carpenters, pilots, chefs, and nurses, and yes, we have to bring organization and order to the chaos, but so does my office manager and my accountant. Because I started out as a fine artist, one of the mind games that I've played for years is trying to understand the difference between fine art and design. They both use the same underlying fundamentals of art, and neither can be devoid of beauty. So how are they different? Design has to change behavior. Fine art does not. Fine art can be revered, appreciated, awe-inspiring, and even entertaining, but it does not have to alter behavior. Design does, or it fails. From a hairdryer to a washing machine, airport signage, an instruction manual, or an e-commerce website, a person's interaction with something that has been designed has to change their behavior. If successful, fingers will fall instinctively over the fan controls. You will choose the proper wash cycle. You'll find your way to the baggage carousel. You'll understand how to start your mower, or you'll make the proper purchase. End quote. Brad makes a good point. He gets at a more specific intent to our forming. I wonder, though, whether one might be able to use that same idea to define art. After all, art is a form of cultural expression. It's probably even harder to define art than design, in that so many things can be described as art. Music, painting, dance, poetry, acting, among many other things. These are all arts. But all art is a behavior, and all responses to art are behaviors too, so is it even possible to not react to art? I'd have to say no, which means that art too must change behavior. It can't not elicit a response. In fact, John Cage's 4 minutes and 33 seconds, which I also mentioned in the last episode, it makes this point exactly. Art can also be that which does not exist, and in doing so, has just as much power to provoke as that which does. Change, too, is an idea worth prodding. Brad suggests that design must change behavior, and that makes me wonder, in what way? So much of design is remaking things, not invention, but improvement. Another toaster, but this one makes better toast. Another pen, but this one doesn't clog and works in space. These things don't change behavior so much as they change experiences using things that we've already used. I still make toast, but I like the toast I make better. Or I still write, but I can do it in more places or for longer. Brad ended his letter to me with a funny sign-off. He wrote, semantics? Maybe. And he may be right about that. We may be quibbling over shades of meaning. But what of the pen that I just happen to like better? Nothing about this pen is mechanically different from any other pen. Working from the initial design, the pen factory makes molds for all the pen's plastic components. It has an ink cartridge within it. Holding it at an angle and applying pressure releases the ink through its tip. I write with it. But this one is made of a material that feels better in my hand, and I just like the way it looks better, too. The tubes for the ink cartridges are also made of plastic. Machinery aligns them in the same direction. So someone might say, aha, Chris, that's precisely it. Because you like it better, it's changing your behavior and making it more likely that you'll write with it more. But I'd say, no, not necessarily. I may write with this pen the same amount. 
I just like it better. This is true of so much design, industrial design especially. The vast majority of things that are made are just additional versions of things that have already been made. So which one of them were designed with a capital D? The first versions or the copies? The equipment drills a one millimeter channel through the blank. Then, in quick succession... I happened to run into this problem again as I concluded an article I once wrote. It was about auditing interaction design. The entire purpose of the system I'd created to do that was to provide accountability to designers. The problem many organizations have is that design processes tend to degrade under the influence of outside forces. Things that should not influence design do, and things that should influence design don't. So I created this system that would help interaction design teams prevent that. And it's the accountability idea that I think is core to differentiating design from other things. And it gets me to another definition that I'm going to run with just for a bit. As an art school graduate, I have participated in too many debates about the difference between art and design to count. And though I've heard plenty of interesting takes on the question and can be persuaded by many of them depending on the context, the one I've settled on that best fits all cases in which the difference matters to me is pretty simple. Design is art with rules. Design requires accountability in order to be something other than the individual expression of the person doing the designing, which in too many cases is exactly the thing that gets in the way of a design being successful. In some cases, simply recalling the purpose of a thing is enough to hold it accountable. A cup that doesn't hold water is useless. A chair that I can't sit in is not doing its job. But the purpose of something like a website or an application is just not as easy to perceive. Interaction design, as laden as it is with technical and psychological complexities, often obscures its own purpose. So, systems of accountability are needed. I'm not sure a tighter definition of design can be had, because the rules must be unique to the application. Graphic design, for example, will have different rules than industrial design, or package design, or landscape design. The many subfields of design can enjoy their own unique and more specific definitions because they present unique conditions to which solutions are accountable. But I don't think that design at large, design with a capital D, can get much more specific. Art has no such limitations. Rules are the things we apply retrospectively upon art in order to organize it into a linear story. So romanticism is this, impressionism is that, but then Dada comes along and breaks every rule, and that's exactly the point. Art progresses by rule-breaking, but design progresses by rule-making. Now, you probably have a better definition than that, so I'd love to hear what it is. Poke holes in my logic. Tell me where I'm nuts. In the meantime... I'll leave you with this scene of a supposedly emotionless android critiquing art. I think its irony speaks for itself. Please. And feel free to examine the work of the other students, too. Hmm. Ensign Williams' striking style is heavily influenced by geometric constructivism. Lieutenant Wright has effectively fused the incongruities of the Surrealists 
with the irrationality of Dadaism. Interesting. Oh, thank you. In what way? While suggesting the free treatment of form usually attributed to Fauvism, this quite inappropriately attempts to juxtapose the disparate cubistic styles of Picasso and Leger. In addition, the use of color suggests a haphazard melange of clashing styles. Furthermore, the unsettling overtones of proto-Vulcan influences. Thank you, Mr. Data. You are welcome, sir. If I can be of further assistance. No, thank you. Well, friends, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Design Tomorrow. If you did, find the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give it a rating and a review. You telling the world that you're a fan is my best bet for growing this audience. Now, if that's too much pressure, I understand. Maybe just tell one friend. Thanks for listening. And remember, what we do and think today can create a better tomorrow. I'll see you then. Welcome to the super secret after credits link section. You've stuck around and so you shall be rewarded. Now for first timers, I'm going to read a bunch of links, which if you want to click them, you can find them in the show notes. Okay, here we go. Number one, it is no longer acceptable to feel entitled to free journalism while also feeling entitled to complain about advertising. A piece from Mother Jones cost $350,000 to produce, but... The banner ads that appeared with it brought in only $5,000. So who pays the difference? Number two, you really should read Jason Shen's open letter to managers of women. Full stop. Number three, a kid made a wooden clock that writes the time using a display and a stylus very similar to how your old Etch-a-Sketch works, but it's all driven mechanically by 407 hand-cut wooden parts and four brass weights. Of course, this kid's teachers didn't get it at all. Number four, did you know that people in the Victorian era wanted to contact aliens using giant mirrors? I'm waiting for the Christopher Nolan spiritual sequel to The Prestige that places this fact at the center of the story. Number five, also, did you know that when your friend's brain is stimulated, your brain will register a neural spike too? Number six, someone found an ostrich egg amongst a shipwreck off the coast of Turkey and it was still intact after three thousand years. Finally, number seven, get a copy of Principles of Two-Dimensional Design by Wuxius Wong. It's pricey for such a small volume, but it's really, really good. And that's it. Until next time, friends. (laughs) 